Good morning. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you, we're doing good, aren't we? No, I'm not talking about how you feel right now. We're doing good, aren't we? Amen? Amen. I want to tell you, sincerely, God is still good. God is still good. What's going on in your life right now? What are you facing? What challenge? What disappointment? What discouragement? What pressure? What's going on with you right now? Well, I say God is still good. Teresa and I, two weeks ago, we preached at Pinsburg. Last Sunday, for five days, we were with the ministry of Convoy of Hope. You know, we support Convoy of Hope. We're part of that ministry. We've gone to a number of their, I call them conferences, retreats. That's the way I say God is still good. He's reaching people, saving people, delivering people, setting people free. No matter what's going on in our culture, in our world, our God is greater, church. Come on, our God is greater. He's greater than what you're facing right now in your life, the challenge that you're up against right now in your life. I want you to say, you know, 1.4 million charities in the United States. I said this in our video, we said this. Convoy of Hope is rated number 48 in America out of 1.4 million. We're part of that. God is giving to us and through us. Feeding around the world right now, and that feeding means kids around the world get a Christian education, learn about Jesus every day, get a hot meal, which they would not get at all. 465,000 children around the world right now today. God is on the move. He's still good. Amen. Convoy of Hope is in those countries surrounding the Ukraine, you know, Romania and Poland, and the refugees are fleeing, and they're getting uh, supplies and food and clothes and water, but Convoy of Hope, we're part of that. They're also sending their trucks into the war zones of Ukraine, and it's dangerous, and I'm saying that that's not a light phrase. Dangerous for the drivers in the trucks. They're coming under great pressure and war zones and supplies are getting to the Ukrainian people that they need because God is still good. Amen? Amen. So that's why we're going to talk about today. The big idea is if you're in God's kingdom, it, you're in a battle. So we need to know how to fight. We're going to talk about the power of prayer and praise today. And it's our desire that we do that and practice that. So hopefully I will be shorter today. And we're really going to move into what I want to see, believe God wants to do, is that we seek his face and we praise him and we worship him. And if you want to come and stand here at that time, we're going to go into more worship and praise. You want to kneel in the presence of God. We're going to look at King Jehoshaphat. As we look at King Jehoshaphat, you know, Jesus said this, we are in the world, but we're not of this world. Mike did a great job last week. Yeah, thank you for the reports we watch online. You know, we are the church. We represent Jesus Christ here on planet Earth. Man, we're, we're, we're blessed, we're empowered, we're privileged. We are representing our Lord and Savior on this planet. And so we're his ambassadors, and we're to speak truth and grace to this culture. And if you're in the kingdom of God, and you said, you know, I'm a man, a woman of God, your priorities, your love, your morals, your belief system is in direct opposition to your old 
nature the Bible calls the flesh. How many have found that out right now? You know, there's a struggle, struggle sometimes against the flesh. Direct opposition to Satan and his demons. And we're in direct opposition to the systems of this world. So spiritual warfare, we need to know how to fight this battle. It's real. Ephesians 6.12 says, our struggle is not against, the Apostle Paul gives us this instruction, against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities and against the powers. I think we've misunderstood this. This is two parts in this verse. Against the powers of this dark world. There's some dark powers going on in this world right now. I haven't even got to those spiritual forces in heavenly realms that we're fighting against. It's a spiritual battle. Say with me, it's a spiritual battle. Tell your neighbor, you need to know how to fight. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Then the apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of human design, they're not of the flesh, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The power of our prayer and the power of our praise can pull down strongholds. I like to see some strongholds come down in your life this morning. How many like to see that today? How many like to see some strongholds come down in our culture, in our nation, in our world, in Jesus' name? I believe we can begin to do that today. Expect, anticipate, stand with me if you would this morning. Let's go to God's word. Let's make our confession. And then we're going to look at three weapons of our warfare, some lessons from King Jehoshaphat. But let's just declare this together. So if you would, take your Bible and take uh, your app, maybe you're using there. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. This is the word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the word of God, and it will change my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You sound good this morning. I wanted to hear you. So let's take a look at three weapons of our warfare from King Jehoshaphat. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and I encourage you, you've got the app, we're on the screen, but open your Bible, use that too. But a couple chapters before that, in chapter 16, verse 9, the Lord says this. God is looking for people to rise up, people to rise up. He says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf, in your life, in the life of the church of Jesus Christ. He wants to show himself strong in 2022. Our God is still good. Amen. Amen. So, Jehoshaphat, we look at chapter 20 now, explains how the Lord grants victory to those that trust him and obey him. And we see King Jehoshaphat, he became king of Judah, and he assumes a trust. Like, like all leaders, like all kings, he was to lead the people, he was to protect the people, and he was to manage the resources of the nation. He had a trust. But right now, he's facing the greatest challenge of his rule and of his reign because it says three nations 
are coming against him, and they're coming to crush Judah. But you look at that, it, it is, they're coming from Syria, but at that time, Syria was not one united nation. So there are three nations coming against the people of God, three armies joined forces, and they had this collaboration and unification, and, and, and they came to attack, and they were going to crush Judah. And, and when King Jehoshaphat heard this news, obviously, he was frightened. He was scared. He became discouraged. What am I going to do? In the natural, he looked at this. There is no way that we can repel them. There's no way that we can resist them. There's no way that we can defeat them. And so there's some lessons here. You need a prayer, subjective life. Now, a few weeks ago, I shared this in a short video, and I, I really wanted to share it on a Sunday morning. So here we are. It fits in the I Believe series. Every one of us at times feels attacked or discouraged or fearful. How many know what it's like to feel a little discouraged? That stinks, doesn't it? Discouragement. Discouragement. I'm not usually real honest with you, and I want you to know before I say this, I'm okay, I'm good. But I've been battling discouragement. Discouragement will... Wear you down. It'll fatigue you. It'll try to steal your dream and take your joy. That's why this chapter is so precious to me this morning. We look in the Word of God also. David encouraged himself in the Lord. This is what this is talking about. What did he do with this discouragement? What did Jehoshaphat do with this fear? What did he do about the impending attack? He faced the opposition, same opposition that we face when we're in a crisis, which is we can do three things. We can give up, fail to take responsibility. We can back up. We can make excuses and we can retreat. Or we can stand up and take action. And I want to encourage us in your life and us as the church in this culture, we can take action. Stand up. Amen? Let's stand up. Whatever wins our affections, whoever wins our affections will control our lives. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. Look at this, in his fear. You know, don't be afraid to admit your fear. Be honest with yourself, honest with God. In his fear, he set himself up to seek the Lord. In his fear, he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. What he says, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the face of God. And fasting is not a tool to manipulate God, but fasting is an outward sign of what's happening inside of us that we're saying, I need the Lord. I'm seeking God. I'm getting serious with the Lord. I'm going to focus on God. I need you, God. And some of you may know this, but we encourage you, the first three days of every month, it's time for us to fast and seek the Lord as Morning Star Fellowship. And August 1, 2, and 3 is coming up quickly. That will be a Wednesday, a Thursday, and a Friday. And I want to encourage you, if some of those times you can fast a meal to seek the Lord, you can take a day, maybe it could be the three days, but that we fast and we pray and we seek the Lord. Verse 12 says, for we have no power. This is what Jehoshaphat said. We have no power against this great multitude coming against us. 
nor do we know what to do. How many's been there before? I have no idea what I need to do right now in this situation. Come on. We have no power. I don't have a clue what to do right now. We don't like to admit those things at times. But our eyes are on you. God, I'm looking to you and I'm counting on you right now. Right now. Yeah. That's reminiscent of Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people will humble themselves and seek my face, I'll hear from heaven. The same thought. The same desire. The Apostle Paul tells us that we're to fix or focus our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Don't focus your eyes on the problem. Don't focus on the attack. Don't focus on the fear. That's what the Lord was telling Jehoshaphat. Don't focus on your discouragement. Keep your eyes on Jesus and pray, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm coming to you and I'm counting on you. We look at this. There's believers prayer, warfare prayer. And I want to encourage you. You may be alone and you may think there's not a need to do this. I would encourage you to pray out loud. How many heard me say that? Pray out loud. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. Yeah, God hears our prayers. He knows our inner thoughts, of course. But there's something about when you begin to pray out loud. Of course, he hears us no matter what, but you're going to hear yourself pray. You're going to encourage yourself. You're going to build your faith. That's why I think it's so important when we have water baptism, not just so we have the cardboard testimonies. We need to say publicly, vocally, I have accepted Christ. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, when we pray out loud, there's warfare in that because the devil can't handle your prayers. The demons can't handle our prayers. And they have to run and flee when we begin to pray out loud in faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And we pray in the authority. Satan can't stand the name of Jesus, and he can't stand the blood of Jesus. And I want to tell you that you can begin to use the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus in your prayers because it's the blood of Jesus that has annihilated and wiped away sin and the effects of sin in your life, and Satan knows it. And that's why we need to say, you know what, Satan, here's a bloodline this far, no more. You can't do this, and you can't have this, and you cannot steal this, and you cannot take this. I'm going to keep my joy. I'm going to keep my health. You're not going to take my finances, and you can't have my marriage, and you're not taking my kids. The blood is against you, hallelujah. The blood. And I'm not giving up. Because Jesus says we're to be salt and light to occupy till he comes. And I believe we're living in prophetic times. But I'm not giving up. I'm still declaring Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And you can't have the United States of America. Not yet. Not now. In Jesus' name. And, and some people, I, I, I know. Some people said to me, Pastor, you get political. No, no. I'm spiritual, and I'm getting moral. There's a, I'm getting more. This is a moral attack. There's an attack on marriage. There's an attack on gender. There's an attack on women today and females today. There's an attack on your male manlyhood. There's an attack on the biblical principles. And if we don't stand up, who's going to stand up? 
It's time. It's a moral attack. It's a spiritual attack in America. Ephesians 3.12, in whom Jesus we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. Here's what I was talking about. Revelation 12.11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So we need a prayer subjective life. And here's a question. What area are you lacking confidence when you pray? What do you need to do to reassure, reassure yourself so you can pray confidently? And then we need a word responsive life. Jehoshaphat listened to the voice of the Lord until he knew what to do. We need to be in God's word. He'll speak to us through his spirit, through the word of God. He'll still speak to us through godly people who are proclaiming the truth of God's word and speak in agreement with God's word. We need the word of God. Tell your neighbor, man, you need the word. You need the word. You need the word. Teresa and I were talking about this verse this week. It's from 1 Samuel 13, 19. Now there was no blacksmith to be found in all of Israel. The Philistines, unless proclaimed that, and they were controlling Israel at that time, unless the Hebrews, unless the Hebrews make swords and spears. And you think, well, okay, well, how does that apply spiritually? There was no blacksmith in Israel. I want to tell you how important the word of God is. You need the word. I need the word. We need to believe this is totally the word of God. I can't take away. I can't add to. And we have to teach and preach the word of God. And the enemy would like to take the word out of our world today. And let's put it this way. So there are no word smiths any longer in the world. You take away the truth of God's word, and we've got nothing, church. We've got to keep the word a priority. Then the spirit, verse 14, of the Lord came upon Jehaziel to listen. Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid or dismayed, discouraged because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Amen. Come on, sometimes we feel like it's all up to me, it's all up to me, it's all of my strength, all of my endurance, all of my ability. I've got to make this happen. I've got to work this out. And I'm not discounting any kind of responsibility. But the bottom line is the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's today. Hallelujah. It's his power, his might, his strength, his ability, his intellect. God's got this. That's what we need to hear this morning. I want to ask us, can we recapture the lost art of waiting on the Lord? We need to learn to wait on the Lord in the presence of God. Spend some time. Take some time. And that's what we would love to see begin to happen today and throughout the month of August, you know, 5 at 10. That, uh, you know, we love all the stuff, but, you know, we need to get back to the heart of worship. It's all about Jesus. We say that, but is it? It's all about Jesus. Amen? We need to learn how to wait in the presence of God. We have trouble with that because we, we like things quick, don't we? Come on. Let's be honest. How many people just get impatient with the little things? Come on. We have a very, very 
fast coffee maker. Somehow I want it faster. You know, it doesn't go any faster if I stand there and watch it in the morning. You know, it's not going to be any faster. We want it faster. When we, we at our fingertips, we pull out our cell phones. We have all the information, all, all the uh, answers, it seems, so to speak. And, and we want it fast, fast, fast. And we're failing. How do we wait in the presence of God? Take some time, get on our knees, get on our face in the presence of God. Slow ourselves down so we can hear the voice of God. We know the verse from Isaiah 40, 31, but they don't wait upon the Lord. Shall we knew their strength. Then they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we want to get to the running and the walking and not fainting, but we have to do the waiting in the presence of God, on our face in the presence of God, on our knees in the presence of God. If I want to run and I want to mount up and I don't want to be weary because if I don't wait in the presence of God and seek the face of God, I'm going to walk and I'm going to be weary and I'm going to fall down. We need to wait. Say it with me, wait. Get in the presence. We used to sing this song years ago. It went right with this verse. And then we would end it with, Lord, teach me to wait. Because I have a problem with that. You have a problem with that as human beings. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We have a sword. We have a weapon right here. Come on, how many weapons do we have here this morning? Show me your weapons. Show me your swords. If the word's in your phone, hold up your phone. Come on, right there. We've got a weapon. Amen? Let's use the weapon this morning. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall not return empty. It will accomplish the purpose for which it is sent. It will prosper in the thing in which I sent it. We need a word response of life. So why do you think we have trouble waiting in the presence of God? You can think about that. And then here it is, point number three. We need a praise productive life. And that's verses 18 through 30. Your praise is powerful. Our praise births victory. Verse 20, believe in the Lord, your God, and you will be established. That's a good verse right there. Allow God to be established in your life, and then you will be established in the Lord. You'll be firm and strong in the Lord. Allow God You'll be established in your life, and then you will be established in the Lord, firm and true. So we see verses 18 and 19, Jehoshaphat bought into God's plan because God had a plan. And when it says God's ways are higher than our ways, and our ways can seem like foolishness because God had a plan, and his plan was different than Jehoshaphat's plan. And you may remember this. How many ever had a plan, and you went before the Lord, and God had a different plan? And when you first heard God's plan, you thought, what's up with that plan? Uh, come on, how many's ever thought God's plan? God knows our thoughts. You can't hide it from God. How many's ever thought God's plan? That, that, that's a dumb plan. I don't think that's going to work, God. I, I, I can't see that working. And God goes, you're right. I know you can't see it. I'm going to show it to you. You can't see it. I'm going to show you. Because his plan was we get the army. 
and then we're going to send the, the, these troops over here, and they're going to flank this side, and then we're going to set them up over here, and then we're going to pin them in. And, and God said, no, 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 no. Yeah, the army's going to be there. The soldiers are going to be there. But we're going to put the real soldiers out in front of the soldiers. We're going to send the worshipers, we're going to send the singers, and we're going to send the musicians, and we're going to begin to praise the Lord. And Jehoshaphat bought into that plan, and then he taught the people that plan. And the people had to buy into the vision, says, we're going to do what? What did you say, king? We're going to fight this battle. How? Have you seen some of those singers? You know, some of those singers wear skinny jeans. Oh, what's up with those skinny jeans? I, I don't think they're going to beat anybody up, king. I don't think any of those singers are going to beat any of those Moabites up, Ammonites up from, from Seir. I don't think they're going to do No, no. God told me if we do it this way and if we'll trust him and obey him, we're going to have the victory. And let me tell you, we're going to do it God's way. Amen? And so they bought into the plan, and then he executed the plan, and they went into battle. And they began to praise the Lord. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Praise him. We place him in his highest place because he is worthy and he is faithful and he is true. Our God is great and greatly to be praised. Our God is a mighty warrior and he's fighting for us. Hallelujah. Praise him. Praise him. Once again, praise is a powerful weapon against the enemy. And the enemy can't handle it when we praise the Lord because he led a revolt in heaven and he wanted all the praise and he was kicked out. And his day is coming. He can't handle it when we praise the Lord and give him the glory. Psalm 149 says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth. May the high praises of God be in our mouth this morning. And a two-edged sword, the word in our hands. The Apostle Paul and Silas, I'm getting to the close here. They go to Philippi. It's a city in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor back then. Paul and Silas, ministry partners, missionaries going through the city, going through the streets, preaching on the corners, preaching Jesus, people coming to Jesus, people getting saved, people getting healed, people being delivered. We see this in Acts chapter 16. We see two men who have a slave girl, and she's demon-possessed. And when you first read this, you think, well, what's wrong with this? Because she was going along following Paul and Silas. Listen to these men, the servants of the Most High God. They're telling the truth. You think, well, that sounds like a good thing. But really it wasn't. It was distraction. It was a commotion. It was an irritation. And it just really begin to distract and take away from everything Paul and Silas wanted to say. And I don't know why Paul waited so long, but finally he turns around and he casts the demon out of the girl. And that sounds like a good thing, looks like a good thing. But the thing is, those two guys were losing their money now. And she did all kind of tricks and whatever you want to call it, magic or whatever. And they made money from her. So they're thrown into prison. And it tells us, and when they had laid many stripes on them. It says they were beaten 
and they were beaten and they were beaten and they were in pain and they were suffering and they were in the inner prison and they were locked up and they were in stocks, bonds, and chains. And it says they were through in prison, but it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. What were they doing at midnight? What does it say? They were, say it with me louder. At midnight they were what? Well, that sounds good. And singing hymns to God. At midnight they were worshiping. At midnight they were praying and they were what? They were praising. At midnight they were praying and they were what? Praising the Lord. At midnight they were praying and they were praising the Lord at midnight. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was an earthquake. I want to tell you, I want to reassure you that there are suddenlies in the kingdom of God. There are suddenlies in the word of God. There are suddenlies that can take place in your life today when you pray and when you praise the Lord. And we think somehow God doesn't do the suddenlies anymore. I want to tell you, if you'll believe right now, some suddenlies are getting ready to take place right here this morning. Come on, a suddenly, a suddenly, a suddenly. There was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately the doors were opened. There's a whole lot more we could teach about this verse right here, but I want you to hear this. The prisoners were listening to the prayer and the praises. Those that are imprisoned by fear are listening to our praises. Those that are imprisoned by insecurity are listening to our praises. Those that are imprisoned right now by a health situation are listening to our praises. Those that are imprisoned right now by an addiction are listening to our praises. Those that are imprisoned right now by guilt and shame and remorse are listening to our praises. And they're getting ready to be set free in Jesus' name. Amen. I like that the doors were opened. Our praise will open doors. Your praise will open some doors in your life. It looks like a brick wall. There's nowhere to go. You're up against it. You're at a dead end. There's no way out. You begin to praise, and God's going to show you a door where there wasn't a door, and he's going to have a pathway for you to walk through into the victory. Hallelujah. Praise, praise, praise. Praise the Lord. In your midnight hour, when it don't feel like it, when it doesn't make sense, when it's not human, natural, it doesn't work in the human, natural senses. Because it doesn't. This is spiritual. Tell your neighbor, it's spiritual. If I'll praise the Lord at midnight when it doesn't make sense, because our weapons of warfare are not of human design, they're spiritual. If I'll praise the Lord at midnight in my situation when I don't feel like it, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm weary, I don't feel much faith rising up within me, you begin to praise the Lord, faith's going to rise up within you. Doors are going to open and you're going to walk through in Jesus' name. Prayer and praise is your pathway to victory. The action step this morning, we need to practice the presence of God. Not just today, but moving forward. 
This has been heavy on Teresa and I's heart. I, I could call her, she could share this heavy on her heart, my heart. We as Morning Star Fellowship, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. I, I, it's not a, a, a condemnation. That's just saying, if I'm going to be the pastor that I should be, the man of God that I should be, called to be, I need to be the watchman on the wall and say, you need the Lord more than you've ever needed him before. We need to practice the presence of God. Because he wants to live, us to live no matter what's going on in our world or the world around us. I definitely know he wants us to live. No matter what's going on, he wants you to live in his peace and he wants you to live in his joy. Practice the presence of God to seek his face. So we're not going to give up. We're not going to back up. We're going to stand up.